Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Crew podcast. I'm Danny McVeigh, and in this packed episode, we'll be recapping all the action from a thrilling week eight, as well as deep diving into all the late drama that went down in a wild night as the trade deadline slammed shut. But before we get into all that, let's meet the panel. We have another fantastic panel for you. We have two Gridiron Crew debutants. But before we get into them, let's welcome back to the show Pat Houston and Scud Coggle. How are you doing, lads? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Oh, tip top. That was a, an absolute wild night. Loved it. Loved every minute. What about yourself, Patrick? I'm all good, mate. Aye. Bit of a, bit of a manic day, but um, aye, all good. Aye, good weekend uh, of sport as well, so it was all right, eh? A brilliant weekend of sport. Can they beat it? Early morning football, straight into the London games, then straight into an absolute fantastic 5pm kickoff at the Meadowlands. Did you enjoy that one, Patrick? Actually, just before we get into that, Patrick, why don't we remind the listeners, who's your team? Uh, my team is the one and only New York Jets. Jets. And Scud, what's your team, mate? Um, the greatest of all time, the New England Patriots. Ooh-hoo. Look forward to getting into that one later on. Uh, but yeah, we'll get more into that action later. Uh, as I say, also delighted to introduce two members of the crew. We have first up Jamie Murdo McLeod. Welcome to the show, Murdo. Uh, why don't you start by telling everyone who you support and why you support them? Thanks, Danny. Yeah, so I'm the the crew's sole supporter of the New York Football Giants. I've supported them now for a good few years. Um, and when picking a team, I had three requirements. A city that was accessible, a team that played in Royal Blue. Make your own decision there why I uh, <laughs> needed that. And I needed a man in a quarterback. And by the time I was picking a team, um, Peyton was at the Broncos, so Eli had to do. Right, I'm moving swiftly on from that. Right, there's, there's too much there to be talked over. <laughs> it's got to read it, lead into a Rami. Uh, if you get any NFL match day experiences you can share, that is uh, obviously family show, keep it friendly in that. <laughs> yeah, so I've been down to, to a couple of games in London. First one three years ago, the Raiders against the Bears. Um, some experience. Bit of a wild one with you boys. Ended up getting a pretty sizable ta- Giants tattoo on my calf. Um, Mrs. wasn't too happy about that, but the, the story kind of lives on. And in a then, hostel, from a hostel. In a hostel, yeah. And the tattoo ended up getting infected, but... <laughs> that's a shocker. <laughs> I think, I think that, one's, that story's best saved for another day. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then I was there this year as well to see the Giants um, against the Packers. So that was that was a class day out, getting to see, like, obviously, my team go and absolutely trounce the, the Packers um, when they're the home team. So, yeah, great day out there and great to see the Giants live. That's a fitting segue. Let's get right in introducing our next uh, member of the crew, Liam McGee. Welcome to the show, mate. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Good, thanks. Thanks for having us. Oh, delighted you can uh, make it and be on. Looking forward to talking uh, through it. So I'll put the same question to you. Who and why and have you got any favourite NFL experiences you'd like to share? I suppose, yes. My team uh, ended up picking the Packers. Um, won't lie, it was a bit of a who should I pick? I was dragged into following fantasy, uh, NFL play through the Fantasy League with a fellow crew member from Craig. Um, it was a bit of a who do I know? 
what kind of colour do they play in? And so it was Green Bay. And that's kind of how it all started. I'm noticing a, a bit of a pattern here between colours. Eh? I know, I know, I know. Indeed, it's terrible, isn't it? And what about uh, NFL experiences? Have you get, uh, is there a particular, say, a recent NFL experience you'd like to share that uh, maybe Jamie had the same experience? Well, I think, uh, mm, I'm not sure if I want to share that one. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the first half, should I say, sitting next to Murdo, uh, or Jamie, seeing his uh, uh, slightly sulking face in the, in the corner. Oh, the uh, photos were terrific. Uh, I'm sure we can get them up in the Twitter feed. <laughs> Uh, no, but, but it was class to go see the Packers, even if we... Yeah, well, obviously it taken quite a few years to get them across the pond, so yeah, it's it great, great to have them here finally. We get to see Aaron Rodgers in the flesh. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It was definitely a long time coming, so I couldn't really pass that opportunity up, even if probably was the, we're down, on the downturn now. So, but anyway... Again, I'm sure we can get any more of that as we uh, get through the podcast here. But just before we get started, and uh, what I said was an absolute wild night uh, at the trade deadline. Uh, I am sure all the crew here will agree, and everybody listening will agree, that it's just been already a great NFL season. We've had unparalleled drama, we've had twists and turns, wild endings, blockbuster trades. So for that reason, the crew have decided that one show we just wasn't enough. So we are delighted to announce that from now on, the Gridiron crew will be bringing you a minimum of two shows a week. So what do we think of that then, lads? Are you happy about that? Delighted? Excited for more content? Oh, 100%. Yeah, definitely. And um, any excuse to get on a bit more often as well. I'm not, I'm not going to complain at that. <laughs> Brilliant. No, 100%. It's good to get more out there and split the shows up. It makes for better listening and that for the listeners as well. Yeah. I think, I think, truth be told, there's just so much happening, isn't there? I mean, we can't just cover it in one show. I think, you know, we need, there's so much to talk about. Um, like, this week alone has just been unbelievable. So, I think two shows minimum, absolutely. No, great stuff. Right, well, just, we might as well dive in now. You know, we're well underway. As I say, about an hour ago, the uh, trade deadline slammed shut. Uh, I don't know about Adam Schefter's and Ian Rapsheet's phones, but mine was going crazy over the past few hours. It's been absolutely mental, uh, just Twitter pinging away nonstop, uh, and it's been absolute brilliant entertainment all night. So hopefully they can get a chance to turn their phones off for half an hour or so and let us actually deep dive into all the trades went down. Now, by my count, and it's very easily if I've lost count in this one, but I, I've got 10 trades went through today, which I believe is a record in the last day. I'll quickly just run through the, the 10 that's went on. We can go up to speed with them, give them a digest, and then why don't we go around the room and we'll see uh, what all the big ones we feel are uh, maybe uh, going to turn the tides for some of these teams. So first up I've got here is uh, Roquan Smith, who's a linebacker, was traded to the Ravens for a second and fifth in 20, uh, 2023 and AJ Klein going the other way. I've got TJ Hawkinson, tight end, traded to the Vikings uh, for a, was a fourth round 2023 and a conditional fourth. And the Lions get a 2023 second and 2024 third. Chase Claypool was traded to the Bears for a second. With William Jackson III traded to Pittsburgh for the Commanders for a swap of late round picks in 2025. We had Bradley Chubb traded to the Dolphins in a massive trade. So, what do we get here? 
Dolphins gave up a 20-23 first, a 20-24 fourth, and Chase Edmonds running back, and they received Chubb and a 20-25 fifth. Calvin Ridley, wide receiver from Atlanta Falcons, traded to the Jacksonville Jaguars for a conditional fifth, sixth, uh, 2023 pick and a conditional 2024 pick, which I think can max to a second with loads of stipulations in there. That's well, we can deep dive into that later if we, we choose to get into that. Jeff Wilson, 49ers running back, was traded to the Dolphins for a 2023 fifth with Jacob Martin. Uh, to the Broncos from the Jets, and they were swatting 2024 fourth and fifth round picks. Naheem Hines to the Bills from the Colts for Zach Moss in a conditional sixth, and Rashad Fenton, uh, Fenton <laughs> was traded to the Falcons from Kansas City for a conditional se- seventh. So what do we think of those there? Scud, I'll start with you. What ones really jumped out at you? Um, the two for me would both the ones going to Miami, um, basically strengthening the name. It hurts me to say it, but um, with them getting a, a Bradley Chubb in the pass rush will be massive for them because I think that's something they were lacking and having that now there to be able to on the defensive end of the ball will be really good. And you can't, Jeff Wilson, it might not be a, everybody's starter, but every time he's asked to do something at running back, it definitely you can't complain with him what he's done. Um, but it's just interesting that they've now got the 49ers backfield from last year in Miami, which is an interesting one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Murdo, what about you? What do you think of the, uh, those trades for Miami? Do you think it strengthens their position in the AFC? Does it mean they can really push for a sort of wildcard place or even challenge the Bills to the AFC East title? Yeah, no, it, it's, they're definitely strengthened, you know. Um, the looks, like what they've added is brilliant. Um, and like Scott says, what, when you see what they've turned the 49ers trail and trade into is unbelievable. Um, for challenging the Bills, I don't know if anyone can, really, except from maybe the, the Chiefs in the, in the division. But, yeah, I think that I think they've put themselves in the best position possible to to push on for a wildcard a wild card spot in the AFC. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And just since you mentioned it there, I've got the list here, what Miami got, they get three firsts from the 49ers for the trail and trade. They have turned that into Jalen Wald, Tyreek Hill and Bradley Chubb. And I'm sure there's a few extras going backwards and forwards for there as well. But that's not a bad haul for Trey Lance, is it? What do you think, Patrick? I think Miami's definitely strengthened. I think, you know, they've had a really, really strong couple of windows. I think, you know, they've really turned those picks around and it's some real sort of real talent. Um, and certainly I think with the addition of Chubb, I think they might consolidate their position as third in the division just now. Um, they're really... They might do all right now. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think they're a strong side. I think I, mean, I still can't see them beyond the Bills, but yeah, I think they're, they're, they're a really strong side. Probably expect to be a bit more from them. I think they've been a bit up and down to start with, from, start with to begin with. But um, obviously, I think, you know, they're bedding in. It's a new team, new coaching staff. Um, so yeah, we'll see how they kick on from here. But certainly, Chubb's a, a massive addition. Um, for me, the one I've seen this one today was the Chase Claypool one. Um, and going for a second to the Bears, I thought, you know, that I thought it was pretty high price for him. So I think if you compare that to, obviously, I was, I was looking earlier on, like Amari Cooper went um, for a fifth and a swap of six-round picks. So to get Chase Claypool at a second, I thought, you know, that, that's that's quite a high price. So it's quite interesting to see how he goes. But again, you know, obviously they need, they need some weapons there in, in Chicago. So we'll see how that pans out. 
But definitely, I mean, you promised us today that there was going to be no action, nothing's going to happen. It's going to be a very quiet deadline day. Come back for swimming with the kids and the phone was going mad. So I um, wasn't expecting that at all. If you look at the picks for the week, I think it shows don't listen to anything I've got to say. <laughs> Liam, what about you? What about that Chase Claypool uh, trade to the Bears? You know, Bears, obviously, one of your NFC North rivals. Do you think that strengthens them? Yeah, well, to be fair, I, I kind of, like Patrick, I was kind of thought it was, a, it was a strange trade in some ways. I thought after giving up their two best defensive players, uh, trading them away, you thought they were in full kind of rebuild mode. Okay, they strengthened got got field and other weapon field and other weapon. So but so there's not to keep throwing the throwing the ball or field running it really. Um to keep to keep up if they've got no if their defence takes a step back. So I thought it was a bit odd to half go for the rebuild and then, then suddenly change their, their mind of giving up a second. Yeah, I, I guess so. I, I think everyone kind of looks at that Amari trade, uh, Amari Cooper trade and think, you know. The Cowboys were done there, considering they probably could have got more. Okay, there's a change in, you know, there's probably a big difference in their salary and their cap hits between them, which you're always going to need to compensate for through picks. But I, I, I do think though that the, uh, I think I think Chase will work out well. As I say, I've got I've, I've got a few takes on the Bears kind of coming up, but we might as well do a, a bit of a dive onto them just now. With the, you know, the fact that they've given up Roquan Smith. Uh, who's a great off-ball linebacker. He was traded to the Ravens for a second and a fifth, plus they get AJ Klein back. Uh, massive addition to the Ravens, really, isn't he? Uh, obviously, Roquan Smith, it was well-documented through the summer, wasn't happy. He'd requested a trade. The Bears says they were going to build round about him. Here we are, day before the trade deadline, is then traded away to the Ravens. What what do you think, Scud, about the, the Bears then and what they're doing here? They're, they're obviously collecting draft picks. Now, they've given up a second here for Chase Claypool, but when you look at what they've got stacked up, as well as having circa $120 million in cap space, do you think that was fair value they got for giving up a second team? Uh, it was a second team All-Pro the last two years, and uh, obviously seen as one of the best linebackers in the league. I think they got him. It was coming up, they were going to have to pay him or get, get rid of him. Um, so they've obviously made the decision that they're not wanting to build round about him, even though the manager, what they always say, never always comes true. We all know that. Um, so I do. they got a good value for him. And they're basically just, as Liam touched on, rebuild. Um, but at the same time, I think it's going to be a, a long rest of the season for Bear fans, but hopefully they can do something with their cap space of the over 100 million. And basically, hopefully they, they can prove that they've got something to work with and their, their, their franchise quarterback as well. Um, I do think it will be interesting to see how they go the rest of the season because they took a big step. They looked good at OK at the weekend because I really thought they were going to actually get trounced, but done better than what a lot of people thought they were going to. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I, I think it's not all bad. I, I, I think it's a wee bit strange, personally. Uh, I think they've obviously got so much cap space that they probably could have still made a move while Fields is on that rookie contract and really built around about him, but they obviously felt it was best to move him on. Patrick, what do you think about the Ravens then? How does that addition of Roquan Smith 
impact the Raven season going forward? And can they make a push on the for the AFC North, given they're up against uh which we'll we'll discuss later on, a Bengals team who seem to be running hot and cold, a Browns team who again are hot and cold, and well, a Pittsburgh team who are in a bit of shambles. So how do you think that impacts their chances of making a push for the playoffs? I mean, I, I think I think they're in with a shout. I think they always were in with a shout. I think you know, it's, it's a tough division. It always has been a tough division. Um, obviously, Steelers are a bit in decline this season, and they will be for a while now. I'd imagine. You're right. I mean, the Browns are up and down. Um, you know, some weeks they're absolutely awful, and then other weeks they sort of they look like their own set, their old selves again. Um, I think Baltimore. I think they're definitely in with a shout. I think they were always in with a shout to begin with. I think depends really what the Bengals do and whether or not. They can kick on. Obviously, I don't know how long Chase is going to be out for. Um, but that was a big shot last night with the Bengals for me. I wasn't expecting them to get beat last night. Um, I thought they'd, they'd, they'd run away with it. I thought they'd run away with the division. But I think certainly with the Ravens strengthening defensively, that's de- definitely where they need to strengthen. Um, been quite quite impressed with a couple of their sort of their rookie guys this year in, in the offense, but certainly defensively, I think they need to be a bit more be a bit more work. So bringing in some experience, I think certainly helps that. Yes. Yeah, to me, it's a, it's a great move for them. You know, they're giving them up. They can re-sign them, definitely, the build around about them. They let them go. They'll get a comp pick back in the draft. So giving up a second and a fifth, they could easily get a third or a fourth back in the comp or they sign a very good young player. Uh, just on a, a note about the Ravens, it was just uh, it was just noted there uh, through Twitter, I seen that uh, from a Scottish point of view, that David Ajabo has finally been activated off of IR. Uh, he was, you know, dynamite in his senior year there uh, as he was coming out of college. Obviously, picked up that horrible injury uh, during the, the kind of the preseason there or during the combine when it was. Uh, they look pretty good. It looks like he was set up to make a good push into the uh, into the playoffs. Uh, you get any thoughts on that one, Liam? Yeah, I think obviously, I think it's a, it seems like a, a shrewd mood from Baltimore to, to get Rock and Smith over. Um, and then with Lamar on the other side of the ball, running the show, as you say, I suppose next year they've got to they've got to renew or re-sign Lamar, coming up two big contracts. Can they balance the books that way? I suppose is probably the question longer term. But this season makes sense to try and push on and and try and make that get that Super Bowl run going. Yeah, I think I read somewhere they've got about fifty or sixty million in cap sort of space next season, so that should be plenty to get Lamar signed up and get uh well Roquan Smith signed up as well if they choose. So yeah, we'll we'll see what comes of that. TJ Hawkinson, that for me was the biggest surprise of today. There's been a lot of rumors obviously get about about other players. I think we'd heard all the rumors about uh, Bradley Chubb and Claypool going. I did not see TJ TJ Hawkinson being traded in division from the Lions to the Vikings and for as I said the, the Lions got a second round 2023 pick and a third 2024 pick and there was a conditional fourth and a 20 yeah, was a 2023 fourth went another way as well what do you think of that Murdo? What, who won that trade for you? I think it has to be the Vikings I think the, the craziest part about it is it's in the division that's surely going to come back and bite Detroit's bum. Um, but when you think what they've given up for a, the eighth overall pick in 2019, it's it's not a lot. Like 
you don't know what how these draft picks are going to turn out. You know that they've given away, but I I think T.J. Hawkins is a really good tight end. Um, he can block the pass. He can he can block and can receive. So no, I think it's a great move for a, a Vikings team that are kind of going under the radar um, on a playoff push as well. So no, I think it's I think it's a great move for the Vikings. Yeah, obviously, Irv Smith has just went on the IR. He's got to be out for the next sort of six to eight weeks with a high ankle sprain. They've not really replaced uh, Big Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer at tight end, for him in the last couple of years. He's obviously down in Tampa now with Tom Brady and not really doing much. So add him to Adam Thielen, uh, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, and obviously the speedster himself, Kirk Cousins, that is looking quite a tasty offense. Are Vikings now a legitimate six and one team? What do you think, Liam, the Green Bay fan? How biased do I be here? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you got it. Seems like a smart move. They're what six and one now, aren't they? Okay, I'll be, put my Packers hat on. They've only played one. One team with a winning record in the Dolphins, I think, if my memory serves me well. But as you say, that offense now is cousins doesn't have, cousins don't have any excuses anymore to blame anyone else but himself. Who messes this one up? I think. Apart from prime time games, well, that, there is that, isn't there? <laughs> you know, that's always an issue for him, and which I hope comes up soon because I'm pretty sure the Patriots are playing them in. Uh, I think it's Thanksgiving, so I'll look forward to another great prime time. Cousins showing there. So, as I said, we can go through. I think there is one more big trade there. Oh, sorry, there's two more, but this one I think does it make a change to the Bills? They have traded for Naheem Hines and they've given up Zach Moss in a conditional sixth. Somebody help me out here. I don't understand that trade from a Colts point of view. So, Patrick Houston, come on, you. Explain this to me, because I don't quite get it. I, I don't quite get it either, if I'm being honest. And I don't, I don't see where where Hines is going to strengthen them in their run game. I, I don't. I think he's a good, he's a good pass catcher of the ball. Um, I'm not convinced that he's the best running back for them. Um, I think, in terms of sort of what the Bills needed, I think they needed a CMC type of player. I don't know if they were in for him or not, and they just got a bid for him. I don't know if they're part of the final final team that actually were in with a shout for him. But that that's for me the missing key, the missing piece for them. It's what they needed to push them right over and make them a, a nearly team to a serious contender, like you know, right up there. Um, for me, Hines isn't the one to do it. I don't think Singletary's Singletary's RB one type either. Obviously, I put a lot of faith in the, um, the young boy Cook at the start of the season in my draft myself. It's not really hard for him yet, but obviously time will tell. Um, but it certainly looks as if he's sort of the right makeup for it. Um, I, d- I don't get to it at all. Um, as a case of there was just the right options. He's certainly an upgrade from Zach Moss. I don't disagree with that. So if you're looking at obviously a committee, I think he's certainly an, up- an upgrade on that front. And he does give you that option because he's a good pass catcher. But um, for me, what they're missing there is a, a clear RB1. And to give them that that sort of different difference and like when, when the passing game's not working, give them the running game a bit more. Bit more room. and I think you've seen that as well. Not not just with the, not just with the Bills, but you see that with the Rams as well. If you look at their game against the 49ers the other night, there, no, no running game whatsoever. 
I mean, they're, they're getting down to the goal line and they're trying to pass into a really packed end zone and there's nothing on. They need that running game. And I think, I say, it's not just not just the Bills. I think you'll get the 49ers and a few other teams. Not the 49ers, sorry, the Rams and a few other teams. There's definitely definitely some areas they need to strengthen there at the running backs. Yeah, from my point of view, I, I, I think Hines is worth more than Zach Moss in a sixth, personally. I think he's worth more to the Colts. Jonathan Taylor's getting uh, injured and banged up sort of week to week. You know, he was getting more strapped and putting his ankle at the weekend there. So I think it was very little to actually give up for what you say is a very good pack, a good pass catching back. Uh, Scud, do you get any thoughts on this one? Because uh, can you help explain it to Patrick and I? I can't make it any clearer, but I do think it was. A strange trade, as you say, Naheem Hines has got more value at the Colts than he has in, um, in Buffalo. Um, to me, Buffalo needs an RB1. To me, Hunt would have been a better fit for there because it gives you a wee bit all round of a, can go through the tackles and a pass catcher. He's better in single tree, in my opinion. But no, I don't get it. I don't understand it because Taylor's, trust me, I know about Taylor been injured this year. Um, but he's done nothing this year and if he's not fit Zach Moss is your go-to now which I find baffling to be honest with you he's not given anything since he's really come into the league and for him to be your, potentially your RB1 if Taylor goes down is mind-boggling to be honest with you bud oh good stuff okay so the last one I think we just need to talk through is I was going to say the enigma is Calvin Ridley. I don't think there's any enigma there. He is the enigma is why he is still suspended. I'll not understand that one. Why there's other certain players serving, uh, who, well, serving bans that are uh, much less for more serious accusations. Uh, but we'll, we'll leave that one for another day. But yeah, Calvin Ridley went to the Jags for a. Is a, what is a conditional 5th, 6th, 2023 pick uh, and uh, was a conditional 2024 pick which could max out a second if he plays a bit more this year or if he re-signs for the team next year. Or, yeah, uh, I'll not even try and work out why, 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 how that uh, trade is actually made up. But what do we think of that one then? Do you think that makes any difference? It's hard to see it making any difference this season, but do you think it will make any difference to, see the Jags going forward next season? Will Trevor Lawrence, you know, benefit from having such a talented receiver? Uh, Murdo, what, what's your thoughts there? Yeah, so I think it's it can only be a positive for Trevor Lawrence. Um, the, Jag, the Jags GM obviously doing what they need to do to support the young quarterback, get him weapons that he can throw at. You can see how much he's come on this season just having Christian Kirk there. So another quality receiver in the mix. It's only going to be good for him. But what I find interesting, most interesting about this trade is that Ridley was banned for betting on the Falcons to beat the Jags. Now he's at the Jags. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's seen it all coming in the long run. <laughs> but it, it could potentially be a small amount to actually give up for such a talented player. Like if we're seeing... Chase Claypool here going for a second and we're seeing what other wide receivers are going for before, prior to this suspension Ridley was a darling in a lot of fantasy heads, they were, you know, with Julio stem out of the Falcons, it was all you know, go hard on Calvin Ridley, 
it could potentially work out very, very well for the Jags, couldn't it? You know, effectively giving up a fifth or a sixth and possibly even like a third or a fourth for him. So that seems great value for money, if you ask me. What do you think, Liam? Yeah, I can't argue. I think Jags, say Jags win that trade, I think, overall. But I suppose on the Falcon side, they've got the young young wide receiver now in London and Pitts there. So they're kind of going with them now for, for the future, I think. I suppose it doesn't help that this season they've probably win one of the lowest passing centric offenses in the league. So maybe they, maybe they know what they're doing next year as well. They don't need that Ridley anymore. Yeah, definitely. Right, sorry. I've, there's a question come in through Twitter. Grant has asked us, "What's the best trade at the deadline and why?" We'll do a quick once round the the virtual table here. Scud, kick us off. What's your best trade and why? Um, as I said at the start, I think it's Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins. It just gives them that extra bit in defense that they really they were lacking. So to me, that was the best bit of business of the day for, in my opinion. Mardo. I think Hawkinson to the Vikes. Um, the final piece of the puzzle there for a team that looks like they're going to the playoffs anyway. So, yeah, Hawkinson for me. Patrick. Hawkinson for me as well. I think, as Murdo said, final piece. I think if he stays fit, and I think that's a big question mark for him. So I think he's been banged up a few times, but if he stays fit, I think he could be the missing piece. And I think I think for as well for Detroit, I think it's a really good deal for Detroit. They're quite clearly trying to build through through the draft. Um, I really love watching Detroit. I think they're a really good, exciting team to watch. You know, there's never a dull game. Um, so no, I think it's a good a good trade for both um, for both our strategies at this point in time. Liam. I'd probably have to go back with, and agree with Scud there. I think probably or even just all the Dolphins trades, I think all round, I think you've got to say they've done well out of this. Um, picking up all the picks or all the players they've got out of the Trey Lance trade. I don't think you could ask for better than that, really, can you? No, I'm, I'm, that's three for Bradley Chubb. I'm going for him as well. I just look at the depth chart that they've got. I look at that defence in Miami with Jalen Phillips in there, Melvin Ingram. Add in Bradley Chubb. I'm terrified now actually thinking about that against their offensive line. Then when you look at what they've got in the secondary with Xavier Howard and Holland and there, Landon Roberts up in line, inside the linebacker, then offensively they're going, I think actually puts them in a really strong position to make a decent push into the, uh, uh, into the uh, playoffs. So we shall see what happens there. So before we go off the trades, there's just a few more. Just recap the other trades that actually went through uh, earlier on in the week. And there was another, there was quite another, a few other ones. There was Kadarius Tony went to Kansas. Robert Quinn went to the Eagles. CMC went to the 49ers. James Robinson to the Jets. Jonathan uh, Hankins went to the Cowboys. Robbie Anderson to the Cardinals. And Dion Jones to the Browns. Is there any amongst there that really stand out to you, Murdo, that you think is going to be a real game changer? Or are we talking about the, without stating the obvious CMC, right? Because we've all seen him in action at the weekend, passing, running. I'm sure we'll get into that in more detail. But is there any other ones that actually stand out you think is going to make a big difference to their teams? Yeah, the one for me that stands out is uh, Kandarius Tony going to the Chiefs. I don't think he improves them at all. I, I think that all they've done is add a cancer to the to their squad. Good riddance to them. 
get I, if I lived in America, I would have driven him to Kansas myself. He's got more songs on Spotify than he's got receptions in the NFL. Goodbye, Kadarius. <laughs> but no, I think um, looking at Robert Quinn going to the Eagles, um, they're they're looking great on both sides of the ball as well. So yeah, they're just strengthening their push to to go deep in the playoffs and possibly the the Super Bowl. So no, I think that's that's a big one for me. Yeah, fourth round pick wasn't much to give up, was it? For Obviously, oh, he's aging now. I think he's about 34, but he still adds obvious talent to an already a talented uh, uh, defensive front. What about yourself, Patrick? Any other ones in there that stand out for you? Is there any particular running backs, for example, you want to give us your opinion on? Um, I, I think I think the Robinson trade was a good trade. I think considering who's available, I think you know it's it going to be. Someone like him or Hunt has already been mentioned tonight. I think, you know, Hunt would have been a good fit as well, I think. But um, I think he's good. He gives us a good option. Obviously, we, we Hall going down for the season. We needed some sort of cover. Um, hopefully get him, get him fit, get him used to the system and see what he can do for us. Liam, I'm going to come to you with this next one. As our Green Bay fan, you can tell me what you think here, but are there any contenders? No, I'll use that term loosely with areas of need that have missed the boat here, they've missed a trick and they didn't strengthen when they should have. I think that's it's a bit of a leading question there, Dan, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if you need me, need me to speak about the Packers, I will. I will. You go for I, it, man. I can't I don't get it. I just don't get it. You re-signed Rogers in off season. You trade away at Adams to try and balance the books in essence. And they're all saying, oh, we're on a Super Bowl push again for another year, having Rodgers in the window. And just look at our team. Look, it's all obvious what we need. Okay. You kind of have to accept not making a move. They've just accepted where we're going, I think, for the season. I think that's you all you can conc- conclude from that sort of thing. You sound like you need a hug, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we, we getting that way. Out. We can go one of the crew swing past and just give you a hug. We can hug it out. No, is, is there anything in particular that you would have liked to have seen come to Green Bay? Duh. I don't know. To be fair to him, I think it was tricky because they couldn't take like Cooks was obviously you know stories of Cooks moving on from from Houston, but his contract wouldn't have been able to to do that. And he's in okay, he's what he's twenty nine now, I think. So he's not. He's not. He's still in his prime, but he's getting to the older side of it. So, and then, but we also needed someone that could do something now. So it was a, probably a tricky one for him to do actually make a move seriously to do anything to really boost our what boost what we've got. But it just as a as a Packers fan, it's a bit disheartening. Another another uh, trade deadline goes and nothing's been done. Mordo, I'm going to throw this one to you then as well. As a Giants fan, you look at the Giants; they're sitting six and two, making a great push finally looking like a competent team. Would you have liked to have seen them make a move at the trade deadline? Any particular areas of need that you think that you know that they should have been looking at? Yeah, I definitely think we should have pushed for a, a wide receiver. Um Jerry Judy was keep like he's mentioned a lot um about coming over. I think at the end of the day with that one, it was just going to be too expensive um in trade capital. But to be honest, with the way um, Brian Dayball and Joe Shane have been so far, 
we've just got to trust the process, you know. They've not done anything so far that makes us think they're inept. So after the wave we've been run previously, if, they, if those guys didn't think there was value in the trade, then you just got to back them. Um, and I'll, obviously I'll come out in the wash if it was the right move or not. But I w- ideally I would have liked to see a wide receiver in, um, but it didn't happen. So just got to get past the bye and look forward to smashing the Texans in a couple of weeks. It's good. What about yourself? I'm going to throw the same question out towards you. Are there any other... We're both Patriots fans. We knew we'd not really get any skin in the game. You know, we were never linked with MD or, you know, there's going to be maybe a couple of fringe players that have maybe been traded here or there. Nothing too major. So is there any other teams you look around the league and you think they're a contender, they just needed one area strengthened and the field to actually pull the trigger on it? Well, we spoke about the Ravens earlier defensively, but to me, they're very light on wide receivers. I know they're a run-first offence, but um, Duvernay is now down and out, out and injured for a bit. Um, you had Bateman, who's out as well, because on and off an injury. To me, they were, could be doing with a solid wide receiver or just to back up those ones and just have that wee bit more depth in their squad. Because I think they're quite light if one of those two go out. They're quite light up front for um, pass catchers. To me, that's probably the only area of weakness I can see in their team. Defence, solid. Running back, solid. Tight ends, even the young boy likely had a good a good game this weekend. So that's them hopefully get two tight ends. So to me, wide receiver for the Ravens was a big thing. I thought they should have strengthened if they could have. Patrick. I'm going to throw the, the NFC at you, uh, in particular the Los Angeles Rams. Are you surprised they didn't make any moves at the trade deadline? They were heavily linked with, I believe it was two firsts for Brian Burns from the Panthers. Cam Akers is obviously sitting there looking to get moved. I think he's even trying to get himself cut just now. Are you surprised there wasn't more of a push from uh, Los uh, Delhi Rams. Uh, yeah, totally. So obviously I'd mentioned it earlier on um, when we were discussing this about running backs. I think you watched their game against the 49ers so the weekend. They were totally missing running backs. They don't have a running game at all. No, do. Um, I don't know what's going on with Cam Akers at all. Like, um, obviously, for all accounts and purposes, he looked really promising a year ago. Um, since coming back from injury, he's just not featured at all. I, I don't know what the story is behind that. Um, they really needed somebody running back. They really need a RB1, as far as I'm concerned. The running game just is non-existent. Stafford is always going to find Cooper Cup. You know, that, that pass is always going to be there. I think Robinson's obviously stepped up a little bit this past couple of games as well, starting to look like Robinson of old and give them that option. But for me, they've got no run game. I think the guy Burns, I really like him. He's a really good player. I was quite surprised at that as well. I, th- I really don't think that's the area they needed to strengthen. For me, it's the offence that was lacking. Um, I think they definitely missed a trick on that front. There's obviously a hole there left in a Von Miller shape mm. from that Super Bowl team. So there's obviously, they feel that is an area they want to uh, strengthen. You know, they feel they need to get after the quarterback, some pressure. He would have been a great fit. It's quite surprised that if the, the rumours are to believe that they offered two firsts and uh, the Panthers turned them down. So we shall see how uh, the, the Rams season pans out. We'll draw a line under the, the trade 
if I'm stealing another podcast, a trade tsunami there uh, what went on. And we'll move on to probably the other biggest headline of the week, which has probably been lost completely, and all the trades, rumours, and everything that was dropped today, and that was the Colts fired their offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady. Now, it's been a bit of a mental week, if you, you ask me. You know, they've benched their quarterback. They've got they've, uh, Marcus Brady's out. They've traded away Naheem Hines. Now, it's probably no surprise that they fire their OC. They're currently the 28th ranked offense, so I've got anyway. They've only scored 129 points so far this year. They are 25th in yards per play at 1.5 yard per play. The 28th rushing team, 3.7 yards per attempt, which considering they've got Jonathan Taylor, it should be more than that. 27th passing with 9.2 yards per attempt. They're joint last in turnovers. They've had 16 turnovers. They've benched Ryan. Scud, uh, is this just the the last effort of a dying man, essentially? Is it just a desperate time for Frank Reich before Jim Urshay has his say in things and finally pulls the trigger on the entire uh, well, coaching team and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Chris Ballard's also uh, gets the bullet as well. Is that what you see this move to be? Definitely. It's his last hurrah. I, I'll be, I would honestly be surprised if Frank Reich sees the end of the season, to be honest with you. Um, I don't see him lasting much longer because the, the young the, the benching Ryan after all the big licks they gave them in pre-season, how he's bringing the team together and everything. He's done nothing so far, and that's two quarterbacks they've traded quite they've traded for in the off season, and they've both done absolutely hee haw for a better word. Um, but nah, I definitely think that's the act of a desperate, desperate man. To be honest with you. Next up for the Colts, home to the New England Patriots and a Belichick defense. I love the turmoil right before a team plays us. I'm not going to lie. That's, I'm licking my lips at this one. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. We will move on. Right. Uh, that's the headlines done. The trades are done. And what a week it was, I've got to say. We've got a whole load of games here to review. Patrick Houston, talk us through the Panthers. Two and six now. 34 versus 37 against the Atlanta Falcons. Her move went to 4 4. This one went to overtime, non stop drama. Tell us all about it. Um, so for me, I think this was the game of the weekend. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. The game had absolutely everything. Um, so impressed that I got to see most of it as well, which was really good. Um, how the hell did Carolina not win it? That's what I want to know. Like, how the hell did they not win this game? Like, Atlanta did their best to do what Atlanta do and throw the game. Um, you know, DJ Moore pulls on that Hail Mary catch, 62 yards with 12 seconds to go, rips off his helmet to celebrate. You know, a simple PAT is pushed back 15 yards, and geez, oh, I mean, like, you know, Eddie Pinheiro, what the hell is going on there? Oh, is- Eddie Pinheiro. The game goes to overtime. He's got an easier field goal to hit. Shorter than a PAT, 32 yards. Shanks that. Just not going over there, day. Um, Is he what? sacked yet? Sorry for a jump in there. I've not even seen it yet, but I expected him to be picking up uh, his uh, P45 by now. Yeah, I was expecting Specky Blankenship to be lining up for them next week. Too. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But um, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. Like Panthers did really well in this game. They were a really great game to watch. Last quarter alone, 34 points between the two teams last quarter. NTN stuff. Um, shout out to Marcus Mariota on the Falcons side. Um, I finally in my fantasy team gave up hope in Aaron Rodgers this week and put in Mariota and he didn't disappoint. You know, I mean, like his passing was, was spot on. Eight different receivers, three touchdowns, um, 253 yards. There was a couple of interceptions on there as well, but like the plays in between was phenomenal. And actually, if you look at what he did for um, for the last field goal, the, the run games really there as well, his, his ability to rush out the pocket and actually make space was brilliant. And that's what eventually we got them the field goal, which could obviously converted Pinheiro. Should have been watching DJ Murray see him sitting on the bench at the end, obviously head and hands. I mean, that was it was absolutely shocking. Um, but yeah, it was a really great game to watch. I think if you look at um, the Panthers, um, the breakout of Devon Foreman, obviously since CMC has now been traded away, that's two games in the trot. He's rushed for 118 yards, get three touchdowns this time around as well, and still on a losing side. Like nuts, absolutely nuts. Um, but no, for me, really impressive game. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know what more to say about that. I think, I don't know how DJ Moore felt about it the next day. Uh, I'd be quite interested to see, see what his thoughts are for his celebration. Um, I think you just... that, that, sorry, the, the ref's obviously flagging that. You can understand the, the emotion that goes into that and there's a rush of blood, but Absolutely. you can't do it either. No, that's, you no, you no. would have a bit more composure than that, but... I know you there's so much in the it. balance. Ah, you can you can totally understand that absolutely, but um, it's just not on not that level. You can't do it. I mean, the, the rules are pretty clear. Um, so I, I really don't know why they did that. I think the interesting thing on the Panthers side as well is like obviously going forward. So obviously that was um, as PJ Walker and as QB again ahead of Mayfield. Be interesting to see what happens there going forward. Um, again, didn't disappoint. I think you know obviously again through a couple of interceptions and stuff like that. But again, the passing game was was really good. Obviously dominated more by the rush. But yeah, a really a really good game to watch. Defense is clearly not on top. It was all attack, 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 which is good to see. Um, but yeah, definitely for me, I think it was, you know, it was like, you know, it was the game of the week. It was definitely one of the most exciting. And that division as a whole, obviously, if, if the Panthers had won, it would have completely tied up that division. They'd all have been stalemate. Um, whereas now the Falcons are outright leaders on it. So really, really good game to watch, I thought. Um yeah. Murdo, it was a tail of two kickers really in the end, wasn't it? Coup stepped up where Pinheiro failed. Are Atlanta a genuine team? Are they a contender to actually go on and win the NFC South? Yeah, I think I think you do have to say that they are a contender because the, the division is pretty bad just now. Um, the resurgence of Alvin Kamara at the weekend could could be something that stops the, the Atlanta surge, but I think even if they do to get to the postseason, they'd be one and done. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them there, but I wouldn't. I, I would be surprised to see them do anything. Um, but yeah, it's wide open, wide open there. We'll move on to the next game. This one was my game of the weekend. I'd, I'd picked this on a Thursday night show. It was the the six and one Giants were going up against the four and three Seattle Seahawks. It was in the Pacific Northwest there, Murdo. I know it's going to be hard, but can you tell us all about what happened? Yeah, so you couldn't have had me on last week to cover a Giants win against the Jaguars, no? 
There's the fun in that. Come on. <laughs> no, to be honest, going into this one, it was the two surprise packages of the NFL this season. I don't think anyone would have any money at all on these two teams having a winning record at this stage of the season. You know, um, Seattle looked like they were doing a full rebuild at the start, not replacing um, Russell Wilson, running with Juno um, and Giants. We still are in a rebuild. Um, there's no, there's no denying that. But yeah, so I'm like you. This is my pick of the week. I was looking forward to watching this one, but in truth, it turned out to be pretty poor, pretty messy. Um, and just turnovers in key areas were really what what decided the game. Um, bo- both defenses were stuffing the run. Um, I was expecting both teams to be run all over, but both star running backs, Saquon Barkley and Kenneth Walker were limited to 50 yards on the ground. I know with the Giants um, missing Evan Neal and Dan Bellinger on the offensive line was massive. They're probably our two biggest rush blockers. Um, but the Giants been all the stuff Kenneth Walker. I, I, I was having nightmares last week about what he was going to do to us. Um, but to be fair, when he did get one explosive play, it was a it was a touchdown. But yeah, this one, what I can say, it was pretty, pretty poor in truth. Um, these two teams probably got the two contenders for coach of the year as well. And Pete Carroll came out on top. He coached a better game. Um, and I think as well, like the difference between what Gino had to throw at and what Daniel Jones had to throw at as well. You know, he's got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They can get, get a bit of separation, um, just be a little bit, they're a bit more special, you know. Tyler um, Lockett had a couple of plays he'd have probably liked back as well. <laughs> he yeah. He was doing his best Mike Evans impression at one. Point. I know, well, that's it. I think that was proof that you can't catch the, the ball with your face mask. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, that, it's, sounds uh, like a hel- that sounds like a helmet catch reference to me. Let's move on. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying a word. I'm not saying a word. I'll keep that for a, keep that for a Super Bowl special. <laughs> no, and to be honest, like the Giants looked toothless on, on offense. Like, it looked like we'd kind of run out of ideas. And we were lacking that little bit of luck that we've had in other games. You know, like at the end of the first half, um, we tipped a, tipped a field goal, but somehow it still managed to just sneak in. Um, whereas in other games, th- those were going our way. Um, also, there was a, a tipped pass as well at the line of scrimmage. If it wasn't tipped, it looked like the cornerback, um, Dane Belton, had the interception and there was a clear lane for him to run and get a pick six. But any other play, you're laughing, oh, we've tipped the pass. Yep, we're getting them off the ball, but... Yeah, it was a game. Of, it was a game of fine margins, and experienced Pete Carroll came out on top. Um, Richie James should get nowhere near a Giants jersey again. <laughs> Two big fumbles <laughs> from him, um, and one that basically killed the game. So, but I think both these teams will be sniffing around the the postseason. To be honest with you, um, I, I can see the Seahawks t- um, topping the NFC West, and I think the Giants will benefit from the NFC records as well you know i can see three teams from the nfc east making the playoffs i think i think both of them are good enough to to get there if they'll will they make a push in the off season i don't know but i think they're both good enough to to get there liam are you all on are you all aboard this the gino express which is just plowing on week after week now it's no flip, think, is it? yeah i think you have to be now don't you i think all off season as you say the 
it's all doom and gloom on the Seahawks side with who they're going to pick quarterback, Gino or Drew Luck. And now Gino's just come out and he's really certainly got a job now for a good few more years. Wherever, if he doesn't stay at C- Seattle, he's definitely sorted his life out for years to come yet. No, definitely. We'll, we'll just need to see how this one continues to play out there. My surprise for the season so far, I think they're fun to watch. I think they've got a, a very good team, both offensively, defensively. Uh, good young players coming through. Kenneth Walker, willing their cornerback. So, yeah, I can't wait to watch more of the Seahawks going forward. We'll move on again to the NFC West teams. Liam, you were watching the San Francisco 49ers versus the LA Rams. The reigning Super Bowl champions have been stuttering a bit of late. 49ers not been doing that great either. They've been kind of stop-start, hot and cold. A typical Jimmy G experience, really. So, you know, did uh, Kyle Shanahan finally, you know, continue his hold and his dominance over Sean McVeigh? Uh, you kind of have to say that way, don't you? And But there's really only one place to start, is that? That's CMC. He's back, isn't he? He stole the show. He stole the show. He's like, what is he, the first player since 2005 to get the, the nicely named triple crown of a hat-trick of a passing touchdown, receiving TD and a um, a rushing touchdown. What more do you want out of your running back? Really? Um, like Going back to the, like, to the CMC trade, I remember during... At the time of the trade, I'm sure, on another podcast, I was listening to some commentator saying, could Shanahan actually use CMC like CMC should be used? Or would his ego get in the way and scheme him, do mental schemes with him? But on one sample size, you you can't really say anything against that now, can you? So, um, but even with that, he kind of, he rode his luck a bit. He actually had two fumbles as well in the game that could have gone another way than any, any other day. So, that's a 49ers team that basically ran over the Rams eventually. Um, and still got Debo to come back as well. So it's a certainly for formidable offense going forward, you have to you have to say. Um but kind of looking at the game, can kind of CMC side apart? The game itself in the first half, both teams were moving the ball down, the offenses were doing well. Um and then you know, Rams ended up 14-10 up at half time. But it was really just the, the Niners D in the second half stepped up. I think in the the first half, the pre, the San Francisco, San, sorry, first half the San Francisco pressures had one out of twenty two. Second half, forty two percent, six of fourteen. Um, Stafford only threw for thirty seven yards in the second half. The offense just for the Rams just totally stuttered to a stop. And it was kind of disappointing to see with the Rams side after a bye week. Started off, you think McVeigh's going to work his magic, fix that O line. But I can going back to like the first game of the season with the Rams, eh, sorry, with the Niners, he gave up seven sacks. Stafford was sacked seven times. This time, I think he was sacked twice. So, for some ways, it's a, a positive step. But as Patrick alluded to earlier, they used to have no run game. You know where the ball is going to go. It's going to go to Cup. And yeah. does that make it easier for the for the opposing coaches to just? get their game plan in place. And again, Alan, the other player, Alan Rollinson, the big signing of the, the offseason, he kind of showed up a bit, but he gave up a silly pen, penalty in the second half, a taunting penalty, standing up, just pointing pointing his fingers. Again, going touching like DJ Moore experience. Alan Rollinson's got even more. 
which is a silly, silly flag to give away, isn't it? So, um, but overall, like after the second half as well, I think the the Rams just had punted for the rest all their play, all their um, all their second half offensive. They punted every single one, and then it was just a CMC show with a bit of a sprinkling of um, of the tight end. Um, which the name eludes me right now. It's terrible, isn't it? All I've got gone is a cup in my cup in my mind. So, <laughs> kettle, kettle, that's the one. Kettle. So, yeah. Um, it certainly was it's ominous for the rest of the the, the the NFC. I think now the 49ers with the offense they've now got. Are Are you willing then to make a bold prediction? Are you willing now to stick a fork in their arms and say they're done? They are not making the playoffs. They have hit that bump after a Super Bowl win, not to be seen back in the playoffs the year after. I think it may well be. I can't. This their O line just all season has been giving up. Stafford has just been getting taken out constantly every single game. Missing big wit, I think, yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know they all went all in last season. Or they're going all the time. Talking about trades, they're always going all in, give all their draft picks up. So. Could be a long, a long road back. Yeah, and what about the 49ers? Would do you, do you see them now as genuine superpowers in the in it, which is a pretty poor NFC to be honest. That addition of CMC, you're talking about Debo, Kittle, Ayuk's playing well. You've got the other side of the ball, Fred Warner. They've got you know Bosa. They've got you know just talent across the field. They've got one of the best head coaches in the game as well, Kyle Shannon. Do you see them making a, a deep push in January or do you think they're still going to be limited by the play of Jimmy Garoppolo? I think you've just hit the nail on the head. As you say, rhyming off all those talents on both sides of the ball and you come back to Jimmy G. Could just that... the CMC throw the ball. <laughs> well, there's that now, isn't there? I know. I'm sure Debo can throw the ball a bit as well. He's got a couple of passing touchdowns. But you have to, yeah, you have to believe they're going to make a strong push. They've got to be contenders. The NFC, all, all across the divisions, compared to the FC, it's nothing, nothing compared to the FC with the teams in it. So you've got to believe they're going to make a strong push. Well, that's an absolute perfect segue. We're going to get right up to Scud. We, who was watching the Vikings versus the Cardinals. Vikings take this one 34-26. They move to 6-1. Cardinals start again in the 3-5. Scud, take it away, big man. Uh, what can I say? It was, a, it was a cracking game to watch when you're um, just, it was back and forth, back and forth. Um, it should, to my modest opinion, it should have been a lot more one-sided to the Vikings, but Vikings just seem to like to go through spells when they just don't do anything and just let teams back into it. But on the game itself, it was a it started really well. Um, you've touched about it, Cousins with his legs, that play. No one's seen a 25 rushing touchdown coming from Kirk Cousins, setting up the tempo of the full game. It was really good. Both sides of the ball was actually really good for the Vikings. Um, they stepped up well with some big plays um, in, in defence. But on cornerback was getting tortured. Young boy, I think um, Cam Danzler was getting absolutely tortured by um, Hopkins. Every time Hopkins' ball came to him, it was just sticking to him like glue. You can tell Kyler Murray's enjoying having his number one weapon back. Uh, 
he done really, really well for the full game. That was the only shining light for the Cardinals. Running back again, they've been poor all season. They're missing. They've just got nothing really going there at all. They're struggling big time on that. No, it was again. Sorry. I, I, no, I, I particularly had uh, the Cardinals to win this one. I thought they were going to step up after that monster win they had in Week Seven. So, what went wrong for them this week, Scud? The Cardinals just they couldn't move the ball. Um, as simple as that. The Vikings, the, the pass rush was good for the Vikings. Um, the boy get three sacks. Smith. Darius Smith gets three sacks on Kyler Murray. He was getting pressured all the time. It looks good when Kyler Murray's running about like he's playing, you're playing Madden, but you don't really want your your quarterback to be doing that. They just really struggled to get the ball going. If it wasn't going to Hopkins, they weren't moving the ball at all. Moore had a good um, a good touchdown, had to break through three tackles. The defence just got, they didn't try to punch the ball clear. And just burst straight through and got the touchdown. But to me, they were they're just very, I don't know, I can't put my finger on it, but on, up front and an attack, they're just, there's something missing for them. I can't put my finger on it, what's up, what they're missing, but they're definitely missing something. And what about the other side, the Vikings? The big question that everybody is still asking are they a genuine six and one team? It looks pretty comfortable for them now in the, the NFC North. But are they now equipped? And now they've added such a weapon like TJ Hawkinson to that offense. Can they make a push deep into the playoffs? To me, yeah. To me, the answer is yes to that. To me, they're one of three teams that can do that push. They're between it's between them, the 49ers and the Eagles. I think they're the three strongest teams in the division in the conference. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But the biggest thing, this weakness for the Vikings, I would say, is, as you've touched on, Kirk Cousins in prime time, or to me, their secondary is not the strongest. They're getting the pass rush on, but as it's shown in this game, if you've got a good wide receiver like Hopkins, they can pick you off. If you've got a more balanced attack, um, I think you'll do well against them. Um, so it's just a case of, can they find solutions for being weak? Uh, at that position, but only time will tell. But I do think they'll go on and win and push on into the playoffs, and they've got every chance of making a wee run in it. We'll see what happens there. We're going to stick with the NFC, though. I uh, had the pleasure of watching the Bears versus the Cowboys, and this was an impressive win for the Cowboys. Uh, they're about to head into a bye week. You can't ask for more than that. Uh, Dak Prescott's continuing his return back from. Uh, from his injury, from the, that thumb problem they had, put up the Cowboys put up forty nine points. Still gave up twenty nine points uh, to the Bears, which I'll talk about in a minute. Uh, really focusing on the uh, the the Cowboys from their side of it. Uh, they scored four touchdowns in their opening four possessions. Can't say better than that. That's just great efficiency right there. And from a, a Bears defence, it would been looking great. You know, again, as a Patriots fan, I've seen what they did to our pathetic attack, but I'm pretty sure Patrick will touch on that in the game coming up next. Uh, Dak threw for two TDs. He ran another one in. Paul Art had another monster game, 131 yards and three TDs. And 
let's face it, he's the true RB1 in Dallas, right? Zeke's done. Jera can talk all he wants about, you know, they'll only go as far as Zeke will. Give me Pollard every single day. They work far more dynamic, uh, far more explosive. Let's just go to the other side of the ball. This whole game for me was topped off. Just a brilliant play by that reigning defensive rookie of the year, Mika Parsons. Play of the game. Parsons, it was just his usual disruptive self in the backfield. Gets the pressure on Fields. Fields managed to find Monty somehow. Gets it out to Montgomery, a kind of side-arm pass. Van Der Esch is in there. Strips Monty the ball. Parsons, he's already back out from the backfield and chasing down the play. Jumps in the loose ball. Fields, I don't know what he's doing, decided, don't touch. I'm not going to touch Parsons. He's a big guy. I'm not going to touch him. Let's just jump over the top of him. Not down by contact. Apparently, he said after the game, Parsons, that he just heard everybody around about him go, 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 go. So he went, went, went for 36 yards, straight into the end zone, and that basically aced the game. As I say, a really impressive win for the Cowboys as they're going into their bye week. Uh, I'll be... It'll be interesting to see what they can do in a, a who'd have thought it, a really competitive NFC East. Uh, Murdo, actually, I'll get you to come in there. I know how much you love the Cowboys. Are they, do you see them as challengers, strong challengers for the NFC East? Because I'm guessing you fancy your chances there as a Giants fan, or do you think you can pit them? Or do you think it's going to be the Eagles? Because let's face it, who's seen this coming a couple of years ago? It was the NFC least. And yeah, then... and they were the NFC beast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, to be honest, I've got to be realistic with where the Giants are at. You know, I'm, you know, I always give it big licks in, in our chats about the about how good we are. But we are still in a rebuild. Um, the Eagles, and the, Eagles and the Cowboys, they're both win now. Um, so if we can get a good winning record... There's no shame in that. Um, I'm absolutely delighted to be going into the bye week six and two. Um, so, yeah, being realistic, a third place with the records that we've got just now, I really can't argue. I would say probably say the disappointing thing as a Giants fan was getting beat by a Cooper Rush-led Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, no, um, yeah, being realistic, we have to third places. There'll be no shame in that the way the way the, um, the two teams are playing. Yeah, I'm going to just touch on the Bears as well because obviously you know putting up almost four or putting up 49 points a game is impressive. You know they go and looks like the Cowboys are really starting to build now that they've got a uh, Dak back. He seems to be loosening up a bit. You know all those hip wiggles and everything they likes to do is starting to loosen them off. He's getting in his groove. I'm feeling them. I, I I hate to see it, but yeah, I, I think the Cowboys could have a super team, a Super Bowl team in their hands there. Uh, but it wasn't all bad for the Bears. I've got to say that to put up 29 points on, which is arguably the best defense in the league, they seem to have now the right sort of balance on offense. They, they ran for 240 yards, two touchdowns. Khalil Herbert counted for 99 of that 240 in a touchdown. Fields threw for 150 yards and two touchdowns. And one of them went to a Patriots, former Patriots legend, Gil Harry. You know, that first round bust 
but uh, it's good to see him back playing and doing all right, I suppose. But with them trading away Smith and Quinn, it looks like they are in a full sort of rebuild mode, let's face it. But they do, if we mentioned earlier, have an absolute ton of cap space coming up. They've got a whole of draft picks coming in. They've just got Chase Claypool on. There's progress with fields. I think if everybody to look at the sort of 2021 QBs, who's made the biggest jump so far, judging the last few performances, you could say fields is actually the man who's actually looking more dangerous, more like what he was coming out of uh, his college career. Uh, I don't think it should be all doom and gloom for uh, the Bears fans. Uh, what about you? What do you think there, Liam? Like, again, as our NFC North correspondent. No, I think I think you're right, totally right in saying. I think putting up the number of points of the Cowboys, you can only be impressed. And definitely Fields seems to be making that, that leap now, or potential leap now, I suppose. And... With the kind of cast he was provided, you can't be can't can but be impressed really. Um, but so it'll be interesting to see where they go. In some ways, as you say, they're having a rebuild. Maybe they want to get those wins to go further back in the draft. Who knows? Who knows? Indeed, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I don't think it should be doing good. Right, Patrick, this is the moment you've been waiting for. This is the one we're going to deep dive properly into the showdown of the AFC East. We had the the lowly three and four New England Patriots coming off of that Monday night pumping, for one of a better word, off the off those Chicago Bears. They're going up against the high flying New Jersey Jets, five and two. This should have been a canter, should it not? Why don't you tell us what happened in the Meadowlands? Never seen it, mate. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I watched it and I wish I hadn't seen it, judging by Zach Wilson's performance. No, who, no, who I seen I seen a reference from a, a scout who was on Twitter, uh, uh, the, the football scout said that uh, they referred to Wilson as a wreck under pressure. A train wreck under pressure, and if you get after him, he collapses. No, I, th- I think we'll take that. So we'll start with that. I think, yeah, put him under pressure, and he's certainly under pressure. Let's, let's, there's no denying that. And I think we spoke earlier on about how good it looks when Kyler's dashing about at the back, and how it looks like Madden when you're playing on the computer. That's not how it looks whenever Wilson's jumping about at the back. It's frightening. It's actually scary to watch. But it wasn't all bad, and I, I like, I'm going to defend him a wee bit, but we'll get to it. Um, so, we'll, um, so what's that? Thirteen games in the trot. Um, Unlucky for some. I think it is, but you know we've got a couple of weeks. We're going to atone for it. So Belichick as well. Obviously, you know that's what him now second overall. His three hundred and twenty fifth win or victory. Um, we should we have nice. a round of applause. Everybody, what we should we have a round of applause for Bill? No. No, no, no oh, chance. I'll, I'll, I'll do it here myself then, mate. Right. For, for me, this game, I think it's a, it came down to a case of missed chances for me and a missed opportunity. I think it was a real momentum swing um, throughout the two-minute warning first half. Um, Patriots down by seven. Mac back on, back on in the, in, with the ball. Um, throws an interception. Michael Carter goes for, what, 84 yards? Only for it to take a hold back for a Russian, roughing the passer, sorry, by John Franklin Myers. Rough, roughing the passer. Roughing what, the was pass. he, what was he thinking? No, 
like for me, it was all the soft variety anyway. Oh, but, that bias right there. But, and I quote Robert Sala afterwards, they've said that on speaking to the officials, the officials explained the penalty was because the defensive end hit him too hard. Uh, rough in the passer. Hit him too hard. What are we playing here? What are we playing? I mean, you're supposed to hit him hard. Um, yeah, so for me, hard while he still got the ball. Listen, so 10 listen, seconds after listen, he's for me, for me, it, which was one of the worst passes I've ever seen. It was awful, before. it was awful, it was awful. But for me, that was a big momentum swing because obviously, if, if they had scored better, if that had held, you know, that's another seven points on the board because obviously we've got a good kicker and he'd actually scored a PAT. You know, we're going to half time, all, all looking rosy. No, that, that score comes off the board, Pats go up another field goal, you know, and then it's tighter. Second half it came around. And again, the defence, the defence of the Pats was brilliant. They did to put in the pressure on, put the pressure on Zach, and he didn't cope. He didn't cope very well with it at all. But in saying that, like, you know, he's he's playing with a banged up O-line again. You know, he's not got the protection that they had. You know, we're missing some key guys there. Um, and then all said, and even though it looked terrible at times, and some of his interceptions were absolutely horrendous, and he's even come out himself and says there were some bad plays in there and stuff like that, he still threw for 335 yards and two touchdowns. It's his highest performance yet, his highest score performance yet as a, as, a, as a QB. And actually, I see really good signs there. I think, you know, we need to protect him better. We need to give him more time and more space. But I think all the QBs in that 21 class, I think he's the only one that sort of looks at as if he's got something to offer going forward. Like, I see nothing with Matt Jones at all. Like, he was benched last week. I think he's got a much simpler playbook than what Zach Wilson or Justin Fields and that are working to. He's not got the weapons that M. Dels has got offensively, the Pats are like good. They're relying on the defence. I don't think you're going to argue with me too much on that. Um, I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a jumper on the bandwagon right away and say Zach Wilson's a bust. You know what I mean? Like, we might be sat here talking in 12 months' time and he's a new Panthers QB. But you know, we'll, we'll see. Time will tell. Um, if he goes, if he goes there to die. But um, I think we really did shoot ourselves in the foot. I think it was a case of what could have been the weekend. But I think they learn from it. I hope they learn from it. I say they've got a chance to atone for it at Foxborough in a few weeks' time, which these guys are going to, unless that's changed. Um, it could have been better. I think we need to take the lessons learned from it. I think Bill's quite clearly got the number on on the Jets has done for quite some time. But yeah, like. This is the first time I've actually been into a game playing the Patriots and thinking the Jets are going to win this. Even with some of your injuries and some of the stuff that's going on, I still looking at the two teams, I thought they were going to win it. Bill came up with a, t- with a way of getting around it. Bill, Bill did what Bill does and found a way to win. Was it pretty? No. Would I like to be watching the Pats week in, week out? Absolutely not. But it's effective at times. Um, but as I say, time will tell. I think... Five and three offer me that at the Jets. Obviously, at the start of the year, I'd have absolutely bitten your hand off it. Five victories over the course of the season, I'd have taken that. But we're in a really good spot. We're in a good place. Great young team. Loads of potential. I'm not writing anybody off just yet. Scud, would you want to watch the Jets the rest of the season? No chance. I'm happy watching my Patriots. Is, is there any... I've got to say I agree with a lot of what Patrick was saying there, but I'll try I'll try and be the professional neutral and I'll just call it his bullshit. But I'll pass it to I'll pass was it. Was to I not being neutral? I thought it was, I thought it was quite balanced. I'll, I'll pass it to you, Scud. Matt Jones, no. Zach Wilson. Who do you see 
but the potential. Do you see any potential there with Zach Wilson? Uh, you know, for me, there was shades there of three years ago, Darnold seeing ghosts. That's what it looked like to me. Exact same sort of thing. Three interceptions, just throwing the ball up, hoping for the best. Mac, obviously the great rookie year. He's now kind of, he's come off that high ankle sprain. What are you seeing between those two quarterbacks? Do you have high hopes for both? None? One? Um, well, I definitely got high hopes for Mac, um, Jones, um, but um, Wilson, I think, if he can't cope with pressure, he's not going to do well in the football league. He might prove me to be wrong, but if he can't cope with pressure and of any sort and gets sees ghosts, he's not going to perform. Just like what happened to Darnold, as you said. Darnold's now effectively nothing in the football league. Mac Jones, I do agree, struggled this season. Changing the offence was a mistake for a second-year quarterback. Living back to the north, the back to last year's now offence going run heavy, but I do think he struggled with injury and coming back to it. But I still, I've still got high hopes for Mac. He showed last year what he can do. Um, I don't agree he's got a lesser playbook or anything like that. He's not got as much weapons as Wilson, yes. But he does well with what he's got. Um, and Patriots haven't got any depth. Apart from Myers, I wouldn't say we've got much at wide receiver, to be honest with you. Um, you've got tight ends, but they're even very sparse in the offence and c- catching balls. But I think Jones has got more to offer if you give him more weapons to use, personally. I think we could do a separate session one night on actually that QB class of 21 because like if you look at them all across the board I think it'd be really good to do an analysis of them all and I think the numbers that Wilson's got would surprise you compared to the rest of them um, I think I think it'd be a good session actually what I can say is obviously in terms of sort of how they've, how they've sort of progressed into this year you know they're not up there with the same obviously impact that the likes of Burrow and, and stuff have had previously but you know I think yeah time will tell Right, Mardo, we're going to pass this one over to you. The 7-0 and Eagles, 35 versus the lowly 2-6 Steelers who scored a measly 13. Tell us what went down there. Yeah, what are you doing to me this week? Covering a Giants loss and an Eagles win? I've come, to your door, I've come to your door trick-or-treating and you've certainly given me a trick, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this, this game went only went one way. Um, the Eagles on both sides of the ball absolutely dominated the um, Steelers. Um, I've kind of broken it down between the two teams. Like, there's not a lot going on for the Steelers. First quarter, um, Pickett had a good drive. You know, he was using his arms, he was using his legs, and they finished off with a touchdown. But they used a wide receiver to throw it to a fullback. You know, um, I think the the the, the coaching staff need to show a bit more. Um, faith in him, you know, if they want to build his confidence, they're needing him to be scoring them touchdowns. This is a nothing season for them. Um, I guess they can't really complain after 15 winning seasons on the bounce with Mike Tomlin to have an off year, but they're in full rebuild. You see that with them trading Claypool away. But yeah, I just, I love a trick play as much as anyone, but I just found that baffling that you're not wanting your rookie QB to, to get a touchdown on the board. Um, um, there, so, but yeah, to be honest, like I, I like Pickett's performance, like, he was he was raw, but I think he showed a lot of talent. I think he can be a good quarterback in this league, but that was probably basically the only shining light for the Steelers. They um, 
they were were poor, but I think most teams coming up against this Eagles team are going to look poor. You know, you've got Hurts. He's got to be in the MVP conversation. Um, four, four touchdown passes, 285 yards, no picks. Like, it's brilliant. And the chemistry him and A.J. Brown have is unreal. They've been friends since high school. You can see that on every single one of the touchdowns. Hurts knew exactly where Brown was going to be. Um, and just going back to earlier about the, the taunting penalties, I think A.J. Brown definitely warranted, warranted his... His uh, taunting penalty when he was pointing at the two the, the two second the two secondary um, defenders that couldn't get near him when <laughs> I think it was his third touchdown. That was brilliant. But, wasn't it? Oh yeah, say, so I, good. I loved that one. That was worth a flag. Yeah, yeah, that's it. When you, when it's your third touchdown, yeah, if you're not getting the extra point, like it's well deserved. But no, the Jake Elliott still managed to to put it through. But yeah, I think. There's not much, much, not not much more to say. That it was a real doing. If the Eagles didn't take their foot off the Steelers' throat in the second half, it could have been really messy. You know, five the five touchdown game for the for the Eagles' offense. The Steelers never looked in it, um, and I think that's going to be the the story for most of the Steelers' games this season. They didn't show much for me at all, um, but they've got the rookie quarterback there, so they've got plenty to build on. Um, but this. This Eagles team's legit, and it sticks in my throat to see it. Um, incredibly bad. Yeah, it's, I. You know what? I've I've not really enjoyed this evening. I've been very diplomatic. Back the Eagles, back the Cowboys. I feel a bit dirty. I'm going to have to have a shower after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but no, watching watching them. I don't watch many Eagles games, but I have to say I was really impressed with them on on Sunday. There, I didn't see any weakness. Um, in them at all. So, yeah, I think they'll be make a, a very deep push into the playoffs. Right. Liam, the Packers versus the Bills. This one opened with the, uh, with the Packers being 10.5-point underdogs. So the one positive I can see is that they uh, actually didn't cover that spread, or the Bills didn't cover the spread. So, uh, yeah. So I got that the wrong way around, didn't I? But anyway, this one finished 17-27 to the Bills. Bills moved to six and one. Packers moved to three and five. Everything in disarray for the Packers. Tell us all about it. Well, yeah, where to start, eh? I suppose I was speaking to a fellow crew, a crew member, Craig. He he said I had to get my tissues out for this when I was reporting this one up. Wiping away my tears on this one. But as you say, is it bad keeping Josh Allen and the Bills under 30 points as a win? <laughs> That's what it felt like. <laughs> um, oh, you only score seventeen. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'll come on to that, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's both two teams going different ways from all intents and purposes. Um, but like the start of the game, from a cheesehead point of view, the Bills jumped out easily to a fourteen to zip lead. It didn't look good, and I just can't believe how bad our run defense is. Single Terry. Okay, he's competent back. He had 50 yards rushing in the first quarter. Ouch. That is horrible. And, like, I'm going to go on my rant now about the backers now, aren't I? Like, go for it. Take a deep breath. <laughs> take a deep breath. Set yourself in. up Reason. and give them both barrels. Go for it. Like, we knew, we knew the offence was going to struggle. Giving up Adams, having rookie wide receivers, it was going to happen. But all off-season, it's been chatting about how good our defence is going to be. We've got the highest paid cornerback in the league. We've got two Campbell and Douglas coming off two good seasons. Uh, sorry, a good season last last year. 
and a reasonable front of Gary and Preston Smith up front. But and surely the idea would be to shorten the field. We just can't do it. Shorten the field, get off the field, give the give the offense a chance to get some plays. But our run defense is horrible. I think now after that game we're thirtieth in in the rush defense compared in contrast to third in yard passing passing defense. It's just easy hope. Easy for um, opposition coaches. What we're going to do this week to to beat the Packers? We're just going to run on them. I'm no coach, but surely it's as simple as that. As simple as that. Another thing that just baffles me. I saw a stat. I think it was a next gen stat, touching on Alexander, meant to be our best defensive player, best one of the best cornerbacks in the league. I think it was a next. It was a next gen stat. He was lined up 14 of his tw- the 25 r- uh, routes on Gabriel Davis. Okay, gave up. He gave up two receptions for thirty-five yards and seven targets. But meanwhile, Stefan Diggs is running wild with six six receptions, 108, 108 yards, and a touchdown. What are we doing? It just yeah. seems we did the exact same week one, letting Justin Jefferson run all over us. It's like really, what are we doing? And then penalties again. We're just eight penalties for fifty-three yards last week against the command. Um, Washington, it was nine for sixty-nine. It's not helping our offense to do anything. But looking at the brighter side, some of our wide receivers came out of the doghouse a bit. Dobbs made an impressive catch for his touchdown. Um, turn going back and forth, different looks to to, to grab that ball, and then even the seventh round receiver Turi made a nice play in the in the fourth for a thirty-seven-yard touchdown yard and a, a nice extending the play. And then, uh, I suppose, what should have been our focus, our running backs, Jones, again, we were running the ball well. But as much as it was impressive to see, we're not gonna, we can't win the games that way. We just ran and ran and ran. But you still held them under 30. <laughs> yes, yes, we still so held them under not, 30. It's not it's all no... bad. That, that, that's something to cling on to as yeah. you move forward. But another thing to cling on to, we're actually, I was looking at this, we're only actually one game back from a playoff spot with the 49ers, technically speaking. But then it's again... The, it's the hope that kills you. It's then, the hope that mate. kills me. <laughs> but, but, but then the next... But it's going to kill me the next month because we've got the... What we've got, Dallas, the Titans and the Eagles ahead. So... But next we make or break it. Yeah. Well, make, make, make or break is going to be next week when we've got the Lions. If we lose to the Lions, well, that's um, that's that. Well, again, perfect segue coming up. Let's look at how the Lions fared against uh, the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins 31, Lions 27. This was a bit of a mental game, was it no, Scud? Oh, unbelievable. It was a game of two halves now, I think, taking back a well-known phrase. Lions got off to a blazing start at the start. Went up 14-0, zip, with a cracking um, with a cracking um, touchdown to start with, but then they turned the ball over quite quickly on Miami and then went to 14-0. At that point, I thought my prediction of the Lions winning this game was going to come true, so I was quite giddy, um, unfortunately. <laughs> Miami, they set the first half, basically... Penguin himself just caught two cracking receptions for touchdowns. Um, it was influential in moving the ball up the field as well. Waddle had a good game. Hill had a cracking game as well. But Waddle in the first half just to me was showing why, showing 
what a good player he is in his second year, cracking pick. Um, biggest play for me in the first half was the the ball, sorry, the cojones on the corners on Campbell to do the fake punt in his own half. Um, they done that. They, they converted that with a run, and they managed to get the field goal to extend the extend the lead at the half to 24-17. To me, that was a cracking a cracking play to go for that. It just just showed you he's always he's what I must admit I've got a bit of a man crush maybe not the right word for it but I love I just love the guy I think he's cracking all his stuff that he comes out with he's brilliant to listen to um, but unfortunately <laughs> half time came <laughs> I don't know what they done to him at half time in the dressing room but it was completely different Lions didn't get going at all not at all the Dolphins were just looked looked like the control the power that they can be controlling the ball, taking long drives, both five-minute drives in the second, the third quarter to convert for touchdowns and take the lead. And from there, there was only really one winner. Biggest problem for the Lions, I'd say, is themselves. The 67 yards of the offence in the full of the second half, um, even just one one drive, they had three penalties back-to-back. They killed themselves in the offensive line. There was just too many penalties and holdings or offside or anything like that. It was just they, they, they beat themselves at the end of the day. They done lines done lines things to be honest with you. Uh, the Dolphins, I do think the as I said to earlier, the pickup of Chubb's going to be key for them going forward because they didn't have much of a pass rush. They allowed Jared Goff to throw the ball for this for the first half, which to me again he's an easy he's easy to put not easy, but he's under pressure. He's not the same quarterback. Not a lot of are, but he really flounders. So for the, I think going forward, the Dolphins will have that pass rush, and that should help them going forward for the rest of the season. But it was a good game to watch. It was a, the second the second half wasn't the greatest, but it was at least a good first half to watch and see the teams. But unfortunately, the Lions get beat. It hurts me on both levels from my pick and seeing the Dolphins win, but. The end of the day, as what it is. <laughs> so, like the, the early season form of the Dolphins and starting to return with two of them back to full fitness and really picking up with that twin headed attack of uh, Waddle and uh, Hill. So, yeah, it'll be, and then with that, those two big trades today for them, it'll be, uh, they'll be a force to reckon with the AFC. Final game, just to wrap up here, it was Thursday night football, Ravens 27. Bucks 22. It's been quite a miserable week, isn't it, for TV 12? You know, back of two losing games. Uh, and that includes that surprise week seven loss to the Panthers. Brady and Giselle announced this week that their divorce has been finalised. Things can only get better, as D. Ream once said. Nope, not to be Thursday night. Uh, football at home at the Ravens was not the pick-me-up I think he was home for. The Bucks and Brady slipped to their third straight defeat. First time for Brady since 2002. Uh, their elite defence was great at the start of the year. fairly banged up. They were missing three of their starters. So their secondary through Winfield, Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunton. They failed to produce a turnover again for the fourth consecutive game. And uh, Lamar, let's face it, is always going to take advantage of that. It was sloppy from the Buccaneers from the start. 
Uh, they they muffed the punt in their first possession. Uh, it gave the Ravens the ball in basically their own six-yard line, I think it was, which resulted in a field goal. So they got off lightly there, the fact that the Ravens couldn't punch that one in. They did rally a wee bit in the end of the uh, first quarter, they did score 10 on unanswered points uh, for Met punched in. And there's a couple of good plays there with Godwin and Evans. And end up end up the half 10-3 up. Okay. It's looking okay. You know, from that position, you could maybe just salvage it. But let's face it, after that, the box went punt, 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 field goal, garbage time, touchdown to Julio. That's that's awful. For a team that was so dynamic last season, the season before, Brady bombing it downfield. Is it Todd Bowles? Are they missing Bruce Arians? Is it injuries? Is it a mixture of them all? But they just problems are stacking up. They've lost Shaq Barrett for the season with a torn Achilles. They can't run the ball. I bet like the Rams were saying earlier, they had 15 attempts for 44 yards, 2.9 yards a carry. That's not good enough. No, when you've got playoff Lenny in the backfield, they should be doing much better than that. Bucks host Rams, week nine. Can they stop the rock? We shall see, but that's got to be a bit of a slap fest, I think. Uh, it was not all good for the Ravens, like mentioned there, a bit of a sloppy first half. Uh, they went the first half, punt, field goal in the muff punt, 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 turnover and downs, missed field goal by Tucker, which it's not on him, it was like 61 yards or some level. We'll let him away with that one. But second half, they come out, looked far better team, far more dynamic. Lamar was starting to get in his groove again. Four possessions, three touchdowns, field goal. Breakthrough performance by rookie tight end, Isaiah Likely. Uh, he really filled in the shoes of Mark Andrews, who went out injured in the second half. They had other injuries mentioned earlier. We Duvernay getting banged up. They had, uh, what's his name? Sorry, uh, Bateman injured as well. Uh, but overall, they did what they had to do to get past the Bucks on the Thursday night. You know, can't say fair on that. 77 yards, a touchdown receiving uh, in the second half uh, for uh, Isaiah Likely. But they ran all the top of them. That was it. The Bucks just couldn't stop the run. They rushed for a like, 231 yards, averaging seven yards an attempt. Uh, Gus Edwards, we all got in the Gus bus last week when we were doing our picks. I was asking about that one. He ran all over them. Uh, I'm still not convinced by the Ravens. I like the acquisition of Rocco and Smith. I think that's good. I think David the Jabber come back's got to be good. But they're still stuttering. You know, they're still got that sort of Fourth down, uh, fourth quarter meltdown in them, but two wins in a row. Can I say fairer than that? Something to build on there, and what is a hot and cold AFC North? Uh, up next for uh, the Ravens, they have Norlands, so we'll see what they can do there. But can they stay healthy, as we've seen over the past couple of years? So. That's our key games. We've sort of rounded up there. There were some other games that we'll just quickly touch on. Uh, we had Broncos 21, Jags 17 live from London, which was great. It was a whole day of football. It was about 12 hours for some of straight through. Raiders posted a donut to, to the Saints, scored 24. I don't know what he's thinking of that, guys, but is Josh McDaniels maybe on the hot seat already? 
It's sounding like they're maybe running out a bit of patience with them there. Uh, Titans 17, Texans 10. Uh, I've got King Henry runs for 4,000 yards and 100 touchdowns. I think my maths may be slightly out, but it was a hell of a lot. Commander 17, Colts 16, Heineke and McLaurin, like we said last week. That's looking like a great relationship they've got going there. McLaurin absolutely loved that. Uh, Colts did okay with Sam Ellinger, I think. You know, he, he looked okay, competent enough. But again, it's just led to the the, the fire, as we mentioned earlier, of the Lucidia, uh, Brady. And then just last night, to finish up the Week 8 games, we had the, the Cincinnati Bungles, 13, the Cleveland Browns, 32. No chase. Poor O-line. Chubb just ran all over them. Was there anything there that really stood out stood out stood out to you, Scud? Stood out to you, Scud, uh, from any of the plays there, uh, from any of those other matches? Um, to me, it's just as you said, Josh McDaniels' buttocks must be extremely on fire because he's not going to last much longer. Yeah, that's the biggest. Oh, sorry, Bud, Marto, how about yourself? Is there anything for there? Those games that you you have key moments you'd like to mention. Yeah, I think any any offense like just going back to the Raiders, any offense that's got Devontae Adams and they're putting up and Josh Jacobs, sorry, and they're putting up zero points, the um the coaches have to be be under a certain amount of scrutiny. That's ridiculous. Um also yeah, like just going back to the coach as well, like starting Sam Ellinger, like it's they're they're just a tire fire, aren't they? Like, um, and it just shows as well the strength of the NFC East with the the commanders getting a win win there as well. So, no, I think the the most the biggest takeaway was the Raiders with with no points with the offensive weapons that they have. It's it's a bit bit embarrassing to be honest. Patrick Houston, do you Raiders got to be the Raiders again? But you know, I don't know with that offense is is absolutely crazy. I mean, like. It's mad. Um, the other thing that me is obviously the Broncos obviously winning in London. Um, so that was a big win for them. Um, you know, Russell Wilson. I mean, he's become a bit of a joke character recently. Uh, well, not recently. I think it's been building for a long time. Um, but I was quite surprised they got that victory in London. Um, wasn't a great game we watched, I think. But, like you say, 12 hours of football. Can't argue with that. Um, but that was, it was a big surprise for me. Um, and again, just on the Jags side, like, you know, up and down, up and down. Talk about the QB again. I, I do think we need a separate section to talk about quarterbacks. Well, let's work in that one, mate. I'm yep. up for that. But yeah, it was a, it was definitely a good uh, break, maybe a big breakout again there for Travis Etienne. He looks a real talent. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, look forward to seeing more of him. Liam, just to finish off the, the recap of the, the week. Um, yeah, well, I suppose going beyond on all mentions for Scary Terry, making some plays. Since it's Halloween, making some plays for the commanders. Um, he made a, a nice, was it like maybe the last drive or something for the last touchdown, the play in the right in the goal line. It was an impressive catch, so got to give a shout out for him, I think. Superb. Well, guys, I think that'll do it for this week. Thanks very much for your time. Yeah, and thanks very much for listening. Uh, be sure to give us a rating wherever you're listening. That always helps. Uh, always love to hear from you on social media. So please find us on Twitter, Gridiron Crew. Uh, 
The second episode this week will be dropping on Friday, where Keith McGinty returns to host Week 9 preview show. I'm Danny McVeigh, and from Liam Scud, Murdoch, and Pat, thanks very much for listening. <laughs>